If you have your Bibles, let's open the Word of God today to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I appreciate you being here today as we celebrate Father's Day, and we certainly uh, want to want to make make it a special day. Amen. I appreciate our fathers that are here. We were getting ready and opening the Father's Day gifts so that we could present those. And Miss Kathy said, "Yeah, we um, we always need more gifts for Mother's Day than we do for Father's Day." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I guess." I guess we need to get with the program, right? We dads, we got to get this thing together and uh, bring our families to church and be here and celebrate and uh, lift up the Lord. I'm glad you're here. Amen. And uh, I, I tell you what, I just rejoice with those that come. And uh, no matter what Sunday it is or what the calendar date is, I, I enjoy it. I think every Sunday is really Resurrection Sunday. And we just celebrate our risen Savior and experience his power as we live for him during the week. And uh, I don't know about you, but, man, coming to church and all that, that's just like the cherry on top. That's the good stuff. Wouldn't want to miss that at all. I'm glad you're here today. Second Timothy chapter 2, and I hope I'm going to share an encouraging message, something that will uh, strengthen you and help you in your Christian walk. Of course, our theme is dads today, and we're going to be thinking about men, uh, but this really applies to anyone, and uh, we certainly trust it will be helpful to us all as we look into God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And uh, we'll have prayer, and then we're going to read verse 2 together. All right, so let's pray first, and then we'll read verse 2. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your precious Word. Lord, so wonderful it is to find jewels of truth, to find guidance and counsel, to find help and comfort, strength and instruction all in one place. Lord, we're thankful for your word today. And Lord, we who are fathers, we would say thank you, Lord, for the word of God because it has helped us be better, better as dads, better as men. And uh, Lord, we, we just can't imagine where we'd be without the Lord today. We're so thankful for your help and involvement and guidance in our lives. And we pray, Lord, this, this time as we meet that you'd guide us through the scriptures as we study the Word of God together today, we pray you speak to our hearts. Show us what you'd have us to learn and do and how to grow because of what we'll hear. We pray you'd speak to us, Lord. Make the message personal, plain, make it practical today that we might truly be a little bit better because of what we've heard today. Sharpen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 2 if you would. The Bible says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I've looked at this verse a lot, especially since I've been focused on discipleship and mentorship and how that works, understanding that Jesus gave us a pattern for those things, and I've studied them in that light. But today I want to just call your attention to part of this verse and and see what God has also buried in this text for us beyond discipleship, something for us as men today. Notice the expression. As Paul writes to young Timothy, an older man to a younger man, what does he say? He says, the same commit thou to who? You might underline the expression there. Faithful men. Faithful men. You know, that really is what a dad should be. 
faithful, a faithful man, right? I want to preach on that thought today, a faithful man. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So how do you define a faithful man? How do you determine what a faithful man is? Who are these people that Paul instructed Timothy to look for? No doubt they are the same that Paul and Timothy were trying to become themselves. And he said, when you find these faithful men, he said, then I want you to pour into them everything you know. I want you to mentor them, disciple them, help them. Right? Why? Because iron sharpeneth iron. That's why the Bible says a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And we have a calling as brethren to sharpen one another, uh, to, to encourage one another, and to be there for one another. And, you know, that's part of just faithfulness. That's part of what it means to be a faithful man. Notice in this text, I believe God has, has uh, included, God has, uh, has placed in this text the qualities that uh, would describe or comprise a faithful man. And I want to bring these out today so that we can look at them. And, and, and while we're doing that, let's, let's take a little look in the mirror of God's word. And let's ask the question, men, am I a faithful man? Am I someone who, who does these things that God says a faithful man will do? What are those things? Let's take a look at the text. I believe the context around always builds and, and gives us the text. So our text is verse 2. Let's back up for context. Let's get verse 1. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We learn from that that this, these people that Paul has in mind, one of the qualities of a faithful man, a man is that he is strengthened by the Lord. He finds his strength in God. Notice the verse. Notice what Paul said. And by the way, notice how he said it. He said to Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. He didn't say, Timothy, you are strong in the Lord. He said, Timothy, be strong in the Lord. What does that imply? It implies that you may not be. It's actually not just an implication. It's a choice, men. We have to choose to be strong in the Lord or we choose not to be. Right? So what is your choice? We need to think about our lives. Have we, have we done this? We want to choose to be or not to be. Are we going to be strong in the Lord? Right? Are we going to be connected to the Lord? Are we, are we going to have him available? Is he going to be available to us? That really all depends on our relationship and the time we've spent and cultivated to have that door open where we have access to the grace of God and the strength of God. The Bible says in another place, Colossians chapter 1:11, that you and I have been strengthened with all power according to his might. I like that because the Bible tells us as children of God that the strength of God is available to us. Well, if you're a dad, that means you've been around a little while and you already know that life gets tough sometimes. And I'm glad to know in the tough days of life that there is more strength available to us than what we have in our own selves. It's not just me against the world. It's not me against the circumstances of life. It's me and God. And I have his resources available if I'm connected to him. Being a faithful man means that you find your strength in the Lord. Hey, Dad, where do you go for strength? I might say, hey, Christian, where do you go for strength? We're not just getting critical on dads here. 
All of us need to answer that question as Bible believers. And we have to choose to find our strength in God. What comforts you? What strengthens you? What what motivates you? What gets you going? I hope it's something. Something about the Lord. Something from His Word that would fill the blank and answer the question for you. A faithful man is a man who finds his strength in the Lord, as Paul encouraged Timothy to find his strength in God also. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But number two, a faithful man is also, as we saw in verse two, a faithful man is able to teach others. Able to teach others. And every father, every father needs to be able to teach others. Why? Because you got kids coming up behind you. Sons or daughters that are looking your way and you need to be able to pass on some things to them. Namely, number one, your faith. That's where it starts. Able to teach others also. Notice what Paul said to Timothy. He said, the things thou hast heard of me. He's talking about the teachings of the word. He's talking about the principles of our faith. He said, commit thou. Commit them to others. Able to teach others. Hey, Dad, that should be you. You know what? Every man today, we need to, we need to every Christian, by the way, this, is, this can be generic. We can apply it to everyone. Listen, let's determine that we're going to put in the work necessary so that we can be able to teach others. Let's throw away the excuses. Oh, I, I, I'm not good enough. Oh, I, I don't know how to speak. Oh, oh I, don't, I don't know what the Bible verses are. Oh, I, I don't memorize very well. Listen, let's quit flubbing around and tripping over our heels and let's get in the Word of God and let's put in the work. How many other places have you put in the work to be able? Let's do it here also. This is, this is more important than anything you'll use that tape measure for. You'll put in the work and learn how to read a tape measure. You'll put in the work to know how to cut a, a line with a saw. You'll, you'll put in the work uh, to know how to weld and, and uh, how, to, how to put things together and how to build. You put in the work to learn and do those things. How about putting in the work to be the man God wants you to be? How about putting in the work to learn how to be a witness, to do what we sang about a minute ago, and just tell the old, old story. Tell people about Jesus and his love. And just tell them what he did for you. That's where it starts. Amen. You don't have to be all wise or all knowing. You don't have to know all the answers. But by the grace of God, learn a few of them. Roll up your sleeves and get in the word. And and let's put in the work so that we can be able to teach others also. Amen. Hey, (laughs) we might not be an encyclopedia. We may not have all the answers, but we can at least be a sign point people in the right direction amen let's point them to jesus able to teach others also commit the truth of god's word to those who come behind number three a faithful man doesn't just find his strength in the lord and teach others also but the text goes on and the bible says there in verse three that a faithful man endures hardships notice verse three says paul's writing to timothy hey hey did you notice Did you notice right after verse 2? Look what Paul says in verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier 
of Jesus Christ. Hey, you know, people who look on to what we do in ministry, the ones on the sidelines, the ones who aren't doing it, they look on to this and they think, man, this ain't work. This is easy. Are you kidding? Easy stuff. It's all smiles and giggles. It's all that fluff, all that touchy-feely stuff. Talking about the Bible, feeling good. That's how they describe it because they don't know what it is. That's how they describe it because they've never done it. But if you back up and really understand what is embedded in verse 2. The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Learning and teaching others who are going to teach others. We're talking about a multiplication process here. We're talking about ministry where you pour all of you into all of them. We're talking about real mentorship where you roll up your sleeves and you come alongside people who are going through it and you help them. (laughs) No wonder the next thing Paul said was, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look, he compared this to warfare. The people that are going to pour themselves into others, bus captains and Sunday school teachers and, and preachers and people like that, he, he, look what he said. He, he, he compared them to being a soldier. Wow. You, you know the good rule of Bible study, right? When you see the word therefore, stop and see what it's there for. And in verse 3, Paul uses that word, thou, therefore. So he's saying, because of what you're going to be doing in verse 2, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hey, let me tell you something, Dad. Guess where most of your hardness is going to come from? I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to come from the circumstances of life. It's not going to come, most of your hardness in life, even even though some of it will be, some of it will be tough. But most of your hardness in life is not going to come from, I can't find my tape measure, right? Or I can't find my car keys. Those are hard enough. But I'm going to tell you, the real tough stuff is going to come from people. That's why ministry is work. That's why Paul called it labor. And he talked about the the workman and the husbandman and the laborer. He used those terms in reference to ministers like Timothy and Paul, people who would pour their lives into other people, people who would come alongside. You know why? Because when you work with people, life gets messy. And you know what? People, people have a mind of their own. Some People are stubborn. People are finicky. Right? People are funny. Well, we can say a lot of stuff about that. And, and, and there's a lot that goes into what makes it hard. But I'm telling you, it's not always easy work. And a lifetime of serving others means that you better put your bootstraps on and you better get ready to endure some hardness. And Paul includes this. And you think about, you think about the Paul took time to include this in the Bible. It was so important. Why? Look, John said, if everything about the Lord were written that could be written, he said, well, my, the whole world couldn't 
contain all the books that should be written then. If that's true, and God only gave us one book when there could have been that many, then you have to know what's in that one book is pretty important. Because he chose to deliver us those words instead of all those others. And in all the midst of what could be written there, Paul takes time to say to Timothy, hey, you need to get ready. Endure hardness. I'm glad Paul wrote that to Timothy. Now, I don't know if Paul wrote that to Timothy because he had just come through some hardness. Maybe so. I don't know if Paul wrote that to Timothy because maybe he was presently in some hardness. Well, could be. Or maybe he wrote it to him because he knew it ain't going to be long and you're going to be going into some. And you know that same thing is true today. Either you have been in it or you're in it right now or you're going to be in it. And that's why it needed to be included. Because this is an ever-present truth with us. Life is hard. And sometimes helping others is hard work. Thank God for people who do it. Thank God for them. Oh, let's applaud these faithful men. No wonder Paul told Timothy, hey, you look for them. Because they're the ones that are going to endure hardness. Do you know what? Enduring hardness, helping others, you know what it does? If you go look back in your notes, it requires number one. Hey, buddy, you better be strong in the Lord if you're going to sign up to help other people. Because it's going to get hard. It's not easy as it looks. It is real work, in case you didn't know that already. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Oh, every one of us have said ouch to that truth somewhere in life. We realize our strength wasn't enough. God allows us all to experience those moments when our strength is not enough. You know why? Well, yes, because he wants us to endure hardship and learn how to endure hardship but he also wants to drive us back to himself, just as Paul said in verse 1, so that we can get the strength we need. That strength is available from the Lord. And we just need to be reminded to find our strength in him. Let's go to him. When time gets harder, just spend more time with Jesus. Read more of his word. That's what we need. But that's not all Paul said. Faithful, a faithful man finds his strength in the Lord. He's able to teach others. He endures hardship. But notice verse 4. The Bible says a faithful man, look what it says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a what? I told you. <laughs> a soldier. I like that song that says, I'm a soldier in the army, right? Talking about the Lord's army. And the call to battle loudly rings. And you answered the call this morning and you got up and came to church, right? And here we're getting our battle instructions. Hey, and the war is on, I'm telling you. 
I don't care if you want to be a soldier or not. The battle is raging. The enemy is real. And he is hot on your trail. The best thing you can do is load up and get ready. And Paul reminds Timothy that if we're going to fight a good fight, if we're going to live a good life for the Lord, then we have to watch out. Hey, don't get tangled up in the affairs of this life. You say, now, now Pastor, what does that really mean? Does that mean I, that mean I can't hold down a job? Does that mean I can't start a business? Does that mean I can't, I can't make any money? I can't open a checking account? What, is it, what does this mean? If you study some of these words here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to live his life for the Lord. And he uses that word entangled. Notice, no man that warreth entangleth himself. And so this has the idea of becoming intertwined with, kind of like, kind of like women braid, braid their hair and they get all of those twines together. Kind of like a piece of rope that's wrapped around each other. It's, it's twined, right? It's intertwined. And so when, when you have that intertwining, that's the picture Paul's using here. Don't get entwined, don't get entangled with this world. So the word entanglement means to become intertwined or to become one with this world. What Paul, the way we would say it, Paul really is telling Timothy is he's saying, hey, don't be worldly. Don't live your life like this world does. Don't be worldly. No man who warreth entangleth himself become no man who warreth becomes one with the world right because the bible says friendship with the world is enmity with god you're 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 getting on the wrong side of the line when you do that you're wearing the wrong jersey you're supporting the wrong cause you're standing on the wrong side that's what we have to watch out for We have to watch out because as we live this life and conduct our affairs, which does mean working a job and making a living for your family, because the Bible says if a man would would not provide for his own, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Hey, God's all about you making money and starting a business and taking care of your family. Yes, yes, yes. Do all of that. But while you're doing that, make sure that as life happens every day, that you don't become one with the world and get all tangled up in it. Make sure that you don't become worldly. You know, if there's a good picture in the Bible of someone who who got entangled, it was Lot. Go back to Genesis and read about the life of Lot. And Lot was very effective in his community. He was very effective as a business owner and as a community leader, but he he was not effective at all as a spiritual leader, or as a faithful man. Because he became entangled with the world. And because of that, he couldn't even warn his son-in-laws. The Bible says he seemed as one that mocked. They thought he was joking when he talked about spiritual things. And God, Paul is telling us, don't be like that. Don't let the world suck you in. Don't become one with the world if you're going to war a good warfare for the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you will. It's hard to keep that kind of a focus. 
But you know, they say that's what men are good at. Women are good at doing many things all at the same time. Somebody said a woman's mind is like a computer having 10 different windows open and all working at the same time. Okay. Man, I can't hardly imagine that. That's what women are good at. But they say men are good at what they do because men have this ability to close all those other windows and they have the ability to laser focus on one thing. Wow, that's a, that's a big difference. That's a contrast, isn't it? And you know what? You and I need to learn how to focus on this. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He said, while we look not... At the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He's saying, don't look at what is seen, but look at what is unseen. That means you've got to focus. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's read that whole verse again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And Paul's saying, don't get so caught up in, the, in life and business, in the affairs of life, that we don't see the eternal things. We need to be laser focused on e- the eternal so that we don't get tangled up in the temporal. Now we have to work at this really hard because... We're social creatures, and without realizing it, we have this desire to fit in. We have, this, we have this need for approval and acceptance. We have this hunger to belong. And if we're not careful, we will yield to those desires, and, and we will seek to become one with the world because we want to be accepted, we want to belong, we want to fit in, we want approval. We gain all of that when we become like the world. And they pat us on the head and say, good job. But if we're not careful, we take our eyes off the eternal in order to do this. And we end up being like Lot. We just float through life. We get the day-to-day stuff done. But, but when it comes time for spiritual things to be considered, we're not prepared. Not at all prepared. Neither Lot nor his family was prepared for what was about to happen to their city. It's amazing that Abraham was, he was doing what we call intercessory prayer. He was praying to God on behalf of Lot and his family. And he was asking God, please spare the city. Please don't judge the city. Because he knew Lot was there. Lord, if you find 50 righteous, wouldn't you spare the city? Lord, wouldn't you spare them for the righteous sake? Then he said, how about, Lord, how about 40? Well, well what, about, what about 30? 20? 10? And the Lord stopped at 10 and said, okay. I won't destroy it for 10. Now, if you count up Lot and all his family members, you get real close to 10. But it still means that Lot would have had to have some influence over somebody somewhere. And according to the story, evidently he didn't. There was no righteous or godly influence present. 
for the extra one to be accounted for, that judgment might be spared. And because of that, the city fell. The city was destroyed. Hey, let's not get entangled. Let's not take our eyes off of the eternal things. You see, because as a faithful man, better yet, as a believer, we're supposed to live now in this time, our, our life down here on earth, we're supposed to live this in light of eternity. We're supposed to make decisions now based on eternity and where it's going to lead in eternity. We're supposed to conduct an earthly life based on heaven's values. You ever heard of the Beatitudes? That's what all that's about. Where the Lord was trying to tell us what the culture ought to be among Christians. This is how we should behave in this world. And he gave the list of Beatitudes. Blessed are those, right? May God help us. Resist entanglement. A faithful man also, in verse 5, a faithful man obeys the Lord. Look at verse 5, it says, back at 2 Timothy chapter 2. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. There's a couple of expressions there that we ought to notice. And especially for the men. Take note of this. Because sometimes we think, To be a real man means to be far away from anything that looks like this. A book. We want to roll our sleeves and put our hands on stuff. Right? Again, remember 2 Corinthians 4.18. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And this book teaches us how to see what is not seen. And as faithful men, we've got to find some time to get in this book and understand it and allow it to guide us to the unseen. That's what Moses did. Moses was a man's man. But he let God help him focus on the unseen, the the spiritual, the eternal things. Right? And that was a mark of his manhood. And we need to do the same. Because the Bible tells us here in verse 5, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. This is something that God is teaching us here. We need to learn to obey the Lord. I want you to see two things, men. First of all, this man was striving for mastery. What are you striving for? Too many Christians are striving just to get in the door. I'm here. Okay. Now what? What does that mean? I'm here. What what does that mean? What does that translate into in your everyday life? What value is it that you just showed up? That you were just in the crowd of people who follow Jesus? What difference does it make? That's a tough uh, question to answer. But if you don't stop and answer it, you may be disappointed in the end. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we, we, we want to judge everybody else by their actions. But then we want to judge ourselves by our intentions. And we always think, well, I'm going to be better one day. I'm going to do better one day. I'm going to get, I'm going to get right with God one day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to become the leader God wants one day. But if those intentions never become actions, 
then we'll never be a faithful man. We need to follow the Lord. We need to obey God. And as a faithful man, that means striving for mastery. It means getting in this book right here. Learning the Word of God. What does the Bible say about practical, everyday life? Look, we can split hairs about about theological philosophy all day long, but I'm telling you something, that's not going to keep anybody out of hell. That's not going to direct your family toward the Lord. That's not going to help you be a better Christian. How about living life? How about living life for God? How about just being a godly Christian who not only knows how to show up, but how to help others show up? Man, that's what it's about. Let's strive for the mastery. That means don't just learn all the theories. That means learn how to live the Christian life yourself. You master Christian living. That's what that's talking about. Strive for mastery. Get a hold of it. Get it down. Practice it. Develop. Grow. Grow in your own personal life. Strive for that mastery. And then notice what it says. Yet is he not crowned unless he strive how? Lawfully. There's there's something to strive for, and then there's a way to strive. Strive lawfully. Lawfully means you follow the rules. Who made the rules? God made the rules. They're right here. So that means as we learn this book, we follow what we learn. That's where we get the idea of obeying the Lord from this verse. A faithful man obeys the Lord. Why? Because he does it. He follows. He strives lawfully. That means you live lawfully. How's your life lined up next to this book? Are you going in the same direction? That's the first question. Right? And then how far are you going? Are we following it consistently? Are we just hitting and missing in one or two areas? Now, what if your car engine decided, oh, I'm just, hey, only a couple of valves are going to work today. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. We don't want to take no trips like that. And you know what? When a Christian decides to only hit on one or two cylinders, people look at you the same way. I don't think I want to go very far with you. We need to live for God, and we need to do it well, and we need to strive for mastery, and we need to do it lawfully. Let's learn God's... Listen, it doesn't matter what you and I think. We need to learn to let our opinion take a backseat to God's opinion. When God's word is clear... Let's do what God says. Let's do it his way. God's way is always the best way. And when you get good at letting God's way be in the driver's seat, hey, now, we're, now, you're, now you're becoming a faithful man. Now you're becoming a faithful Christian. One who serves God and obeys the Lord. And then lastly, number six, verse six. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Notice there's that word again. He uses the word husbandman. He uses the word labor. Hey, I'm telling you something. It it really is work to live for God. It's work to serve God. It's work to bring other people with you. Look, how, how well are you living for the Lord? Are you doing it in such a way you can bring other people with you? I saw a post on the way to church And this young preacher was thanking the Lord for his dad. And he said he had a faithful dad who lived what he preached in the pulpit. He lived that at home. I said, man, that's, duh, that's the way it should be. 
And the stuff you say amen to should be the stuff you live at home to. We need to be consistent. Who we are in this room should be who we are in our living room. It should be who we are at work. Same thing. We're not chameleons. We're Christians. God help us to be faithful, faithful men. Right? Who labor for God. It's work to live for God. It takes some focus. It takes consistency. It takes a lot of practice. It's hard work. It's not easy. But when you do it right, guess what? That's when people want to follow you. That's when you can teach others also. That's when there's that next generation. And as I looked at that Facebook post, this young man praising his dad for being consistent. And I said, yeah. And I thought in my mind, and you know what? That's a double blessing because not only a dad who led, but there's a son who followed. Amen. Thank God for that. When, listen, we need to talk about that too. Our children have decisions to make. And it doesn't do a lot of good when dad points the right direction and kids don't pay any attention, run off and do their own thing. Now, it is true. They need to meet God for themselves. They need to have their own salvation experience. They need to decide, too, to live for God themselves so it's genuine and real coming from their heart, their life, choosing that they want what God wants for them. It's true. And in that post, I saw both sides of that. It's kind of like Abraham and Isaac. Abraham had faith in God and he took Isaac up on the altar and was about to sacrifice his son because God told him to. God didn't really want him to sacrifice his son. It was just a test. But Abraham didn't know that. And, you know, that's, that's the thing about tests in life. You know, you don't always know. Life doesn't have that little warning. Beep. Remember, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is a test of your Christian faith to see if you're going to be. You know, we don't have that. A test is like the real thing. And here's Abraham willing to sacrifice his son on the, on the altar. But wait a minute. Look a little closer. There's Isaac. Isaac's like a big boy. And he's allowed his dad to tie his hands. And here he is. Isaac's laying up there on the altar. Hey, now look. He, Isaac was big enough to say, uh, hey, I don't know about all that. Hey, look, I know how this works. We're supposed to have a lamb somewhere. Uh, I ain't getting up there. As a matter of fact, Isaac was big enough that he, had he said that, I, I, don't, I don't think Abraham could have put him there. But he didn't do that. Because he followed, he, he trusted, he followed the faith of his father, and he got up on that altar. What a beautiful picture. They were both faithful men. And before Abraham could take any action, God spoke, and Abraham noticed a ram caught in the thicket behind him. And God provided that sacrifice. And Abraham and Isaac passed that test. They trusted God. Hey, look, you're not going to pass them all, but it sure feels good when you do. When you work at it and you focus and you try hard and you give your best and that test comes and you come on the other side of that thing going, <laughs> I made it. 
right? That feels so good. You know, the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because it says that you may be able to stand in, in the evil day. And then it says, and having done all to stand. And what does that mean? That means when the dust settles and the smoke clears, you're still standing. Right? Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. That's what we want to say every time we go through a battle, every time we go through a test like that. But the only way you're going to do it, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and you're going to have to work. You've got to work at it. You don't become a good Christian falling out of bed on Sunday morning. You don't, you don't become a good Christian overnight. You don't become a faithful man just because you make a decision in a church service. Oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it now. Hey, it takes, it takes effort. It takes work. It takes focus. It takes practice. It takes consistency over time. We've got to stay in there. We've got to fight hard. We've got to love much. We've got to dig deep. But this verse tells us that the faithful man labors for the Lord. What does it mean, this husbandman, this husbandman who labors? What does that mean? In other words, he's not just a husbandman with the title. He's the one who labors. He's got dirt under his fingernails. He's got his sleeves rolled up. He's sweating too. He's laboring. He's busy. It means the faithful man takes his rightful place to fulfill his responsibility in life. What is your responsibility? Jump in with both feet and be there and do that. God blesses that. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. God likes work and he likes workers. Did you know God created work? Go back and read Genesis. Do you know that work is not a curse? Sweat is the curse, not the work. Adam and Eve were working on the garden before sin ever came into the picture. But after sin, they were pricking themselves with thorns and they were sweating a whole lot, right? God just turned on the sunshine or something. They got a little test of South Louisiana weather. I don't know what God gave them, but that was the sweat of your face. We had that wedding yesterday. I was sitting there just sweating, just, just sitting there, just being there, right? Just another reminder But God doesn't want people who just look the part. God doesn't want people who just wear the badge. God wants people who roll up their sleeves and who work and labor and focus and love and try. The husbandman who laboreth. Let's be like that. Let's be that. That's what God wants. That's the one who gets crowned in the end. That's the one who's still standing when the smoke clears. That's the one who people look at and respect that's the one who people follow. So if you want to be one who's able to turn around and teach, who has the kind of rapport and influence where others will allow you to do that, then you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get in the work and you got to put in some time. What is a faithful man? I believe the Bible in this text defines a faithful man as one who finds his strength in the Lord, one who is able to teach others also, one who endures hardship, resists entanglement with the world, one who obeys the Lord, and one who labors for the Lord. Let's let God make us 
into that. How about it, dads? Faithful men. Let's be. Let's pray. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your word. And how your word does instruct. How it guides. How it informs us, Lord. Your word does equip us. It does give us the tools that we need to be the dad. To be the Christian. To be the person that you've called us to be. And no matter what our occupation, no matter how we spend our time, Lord, we can do it. We can be an example of a Christian in that capacity. A faithful man, a faithful woman, someone who loves God. And all around us today, Lord, that's what this world needs. It needs more people, more pictures of godly Christians and people who just roll up their sleeves and do the right thing. Oh, God help us to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.